of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. Got out in 1989. We had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab, and he said, "By the way, we've discovered a base." The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society, and we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations to all our fellow Sky Watchers, all of you listening on Earth and intergalactically. Hell, even those sitting on a flat Earth or a hollow Earth, whatever, welcome to Sky Watchers Radio on this beautiful September 13th, 2016. And I also uh, can't forget, you know, today is a, it's a beautiful day, but it's also a uh, day of uh, remembering somebody who passed away 20 years ago to the day. And I wanted to, uh, first off, start off with a person who changed my life 20 years ago. Actually, more than that. Other guy, stop eating. Um, <laughs> more than 20 years ago, I became a huge fan of Tupac. Actually, it was like 25 years ago. And today marks the oh, anniversary yeah. of his death. And before I say anything else on this show, I want to give a rest in peace to Tupac Shakur, who uh, passed away 20 years ago to the day. And uh, it, uh, that's one of those deaths that uh, marked uh, a big part of my life because I've been a fan of my, my almost my entire life. And uh, that was today, guys. So before we continue on, I wanted to say rest in peace to Tupac. True. Been tw- it's well, been 20 that's years. That's not the only anniversary today, though. We're going to get to that. Hold on. Uh, as you heard there, the speaking is uh, my heterosexual life mate, the one and only, the other guy, other guy. And I get to say hi. And I get to say hi. Hi. That's not the only anniversary that... That's okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Hold on, just hold on, hold on. We'll get to that. Hold on. Oh. And also on the show, the one and the only, the lovely Crystal Storm, aka DCS, aka woo woo. Say hi Yay, to the crowd. Hey, Crystal. What's Yay. up? Hey, hey, big Pookie. Hey, little How Pookie. You doing? Oh, hey. you know, we've had a couple <laughs> weeks off, and I needed it because my goodness, uh, yeah. Mufan was a lot of fun. We needed a couple of weeks off to kind of recharge the batteries and get going for uh, you know a slew of shows we got uh, you know scheduled here. We've uh, but, got a full up lineup and you were oh, busy editing all the videos, so you had all the yep. hard work to do after move on. So oh, yeah. yeah. It's been a it's been a rough couple of weeks. Okay. Now joining us of course as always the one and only the uh, the inscrutable, the undestructible, the incredible, and so many other words that I'm probably going to say wrong. Chris J. Brown, what's up, buddy? Thank you for all the words. <laughs> He's got all I was the words. To, I, was trying to, I was trying to build you up there, man, and you're, that's, that's the best you got. <laughs> that's good. That's oh, good. yeah. Well, that's I appreciate good. that. Yeah, and how's everybody doing tonight? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going good. That, that, does that tell you everything right there? That, that tells you everything right there. Yeah. Right there. yeah. <laughs> I am ready Uh for the show. I'm excited. I'm excited about our guest. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sad about Tupac. And I'm sad about Tupac. That's that's Uh, I'm I'm excited about our guest. I'm a little upset about Tupac, but there's other important anniversaries. Hold on. We'll get get to that in a second. Hold on. Hold on. on. So, you know, yeah, I had to start (laughs) off with Tupac because, you know, that to me was touching uh, 20 years. 
It, I can't believe it's been 20 years since he died. I, to me, it blows my that, mind to think that it's been 20 years. I feel years. old when you said that. When you said 20 right? years, I was like, holy – I'm like, fucking how old am I? Really? 20 oh years? Goodness. Like, where did the time go? Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Now, yes. on a little somber and happier news, today also marks the birthday of a gentleman we met over on MUFON, and I wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Oh, Richard. Is it, is it, is it Bowtie, Mr. Bowtie Hoffman? Yes, Rich Hoffman celebrates a birthday today. <laughs> I love today. him. He's awesome. <laughs> he is such a cool man. Let me tell you something. Uh, one of the nicest human beings that we, we got to meet he at MUFON. Is. I have such yes. a crush. He's like the greatest human being ever. Right. I just want his tie. That's such a cool tie. You know what? I, this is like I keep adding to requirements for my future husband, and I think the ability to tie a bow tie is going to have to be on there. It mm. really is. Yeah. I mean, I don't rock ties. You know, most of the time, I you know I don't really look good in ties as it is. But I would start rocking the bow tie just to be able to get that tie. You know, and. and it's just a cool bull time, man. And he had it like flown it over is. from England. He was rocking it, and he looked so good in it. Too. I know like, he was legitimately rocking the bow tie. Like awesome. Rich makes bow ties look cool, and that's hard to do. He does. He rocks hey, it he hard. He was the only one who made bow ties look cool. Okay, the doctor did that also. All right, fine. That's better. Okay, okay. I knew you were going to go there, and you were going to go there. But happy <laughs> birthday to uh, Rich Hoffman. Happy birthday, my friend. You know, we, we love you on the show. He's been on with us before. He was at MUFON, and, uh, you know, we did an awesome interview video with him, and that's on YouTube. Uh, but the gentleman who's going to be on with us tonight is John Polk and uh, the Reverend John Polk. And the we also Reverend. had a vi- The good Reverend John M. Polk. And that's right. We did a video with him also, and he was phenomenally, phenomenally awesome. And, uh, you know, I want to get his book. I, you know, sadly, I didn't get a copy at MUFON. There was, uh, there's so much stuff going on in MUFON that I didn't get to, like, really do everything that I wanted and get everything that I wanted. And, of course, you know, the finances doesn't allow you to always get everything you want. Uh, but I'm definitely going to p- uh, pick up a copy of his book and go through it and stuff because it looks like a very interesting read. And, in fact, earlier tonight before the show started, I was talking to my dad. And he goes to me, oh, who are you having on tonight? And I'm like, oh, I'm having uh, Reverend John Polk. He's like, oh, what are you going to talk about, like Jesus and stuff? And I'm like, well, not necessarily. We're going to talk about Yahweh and how Yahweh was a space alien. And my dad was like, get out of here. And he's a reverend. And I'm like, he's a reverend. Yeah, Reverend John Polk. And he wrote a book about uh, Yahweh being an alien. Then my dad was like, wait a second. How can God be an alien? And I'm like, listen, Dad. Listen. <laughs> Sit down for this. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, father of mine. Sit down because I'm gonna I'm gonna school you for a second. And he goes, I'm laying down on my bed. And I'm like, alright, that's good. That's a good position. Just stay there. Don't move. By the mere definition of what God is, he's an extraterrestrial. He was like, ah, get out of here. I'm like, does he live on Earth? Huh? 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 Well, no, not necessarily. Okay, so he's in heaven, right? Your God is in heaven, right? He's in the clouds, in heaven somewhere, another plane of existence, outside of Earth, right? Extraterrestrial. Thank you very much. I rest my case. Mic drop. Mic drop. Mic drop, exactly. My dad's head, my dad's head exploded. It exploded. <laughs> it's just really funny how they don't. It, like, it doesn't even register. It is. It was that moment, too, because I grew up Catholic, and then I had this moment as an adult. I quickly stopped being Catholic the older I got and the more that I Good started job. to use my brain. And that's no offense to anybody who is Catholic, but for me, <laughs> it was just like, this shit is crazy. But then you realize what yes, communion yes. is, and when that guy, the priest, is standing there talking about the blood of Christ and the body of Christ, does that not creep anybody else out that, that we, oh, yeah, we the, drink it and we eat it? The that pedophile is crazy address. cult it's crap, It's called y'all. zombie flesh turning I know, that's nuts it's one of those moments where you're sitting here and you're thinking about it and you're just like what did i participate in 
what did I, what was I saying? What was I, what, do I need to like go and find someone to like sage me and like cleanse me of the crazy? I don't, I don't, it's fine. Yeah, see, I grew up Jehovah's Witness, and uh, that explains a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, Yeah. that's a whole other story waiting for you. Yeah. Well, me too. Cans of worms. We're looking at the same thing here, guys. Yep. So I grew up a Jehovah's Witness, and as soon as I started asking questions like, um, like, why is slavery in the Bible okay? They see the the religious people. They don't like things like questions. They they hate questions. Go to your room. Yeah, it was one of those things. They're like, well, what do you mean? There's no such thing. And I'm like, have you read the Bible? Have you actually read the thing? Because it's right there. And I would show them the like the part of the Bible where it says slavery is okay in the eyes of God, of such and such. And they're like, okay, leave right now the circle. We don't want you around the other kids. You're 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 of the devil. And I'm like, no, no, I just want answers, man. That's all. Why is genocide okay in the eyes of God? Why is that okay? You get out of here now. I really did want to be a good little but the more I read the more it just didn't make sense in my brain it just I couldn't like y'all ever read that the Bible is crazy it she is, is crazy. it is this shit is crazy <laughs> that is the best work of fiction I have ever read with sprinkles nuts. of truth because there's some like, some nuggets of truth in the there place. There's some nuggets that I would say. There's nuggets of truth, uh, which is why I want to. This is why I want to read uh, the book by uh, by John Polk because I, I want to see where he gets at with this uh, with this book and where you know he talks about Yahweh being a space alien and of course he's interjecting the Anunnaki and Elil and and we'll, we don't want to give too much away because it's a very fascinating topic and the way he tells it is it's very interesting and he's a super and, nice guy. Yeah, no, he really is a amazingly nice guy. So I mean, I, like, I want to like have him really tell us the story of the book and what the book is all about. Um, you know, no judging, I'm not trying to judge anybody because of his religious background or anything like that. You know, that's uh, that's his beliefs. Uh, and I I am interested in the Anunnaki stuff and you know Sumerian cultures and stuff. And I do believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that human beings were manipulated by space aliens. That you know that mm-hmm. I don't that. It's not even something that anybody has to convince me of. I believe it, okay? Whether it was the Anunnaki, whether it was another race of beings that we are just uh, not knowledgeable of, whatever. I do think that there was an interaction by aliens at some point in our past, and they said, oh, there's a bunch of monkeys down there running wild. Let's make them into Homo sapiens. And then have them mine for gold or whatever the hell they wanted us for, you know? I do believe that happened. And I think the Sumerians were on point with that. Now the rest of Sitchin's work is kind of iffy. You know, there's a lot of stuff in there yeah, that iffy. Michael Heiser completely, yeah, Michael Heiser completely took him to school on that. But there's some stuff in there which I look at and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I believe there's a this. little bit of truth to every bit of fiction. Exactly. So you know, I'm I'm dying to get John Paul on for a full hour here so we could dissect his book a little bit, even though none of us have read it, sadly enough. Uh, but it's still going to be something that we could, you know, hear from, the, you know, his own take. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. Now, uh, what's the anniversary you want to talk about there, Seth? I mean, well, there two anniversaries I mean, other guy. that really stood out today. Tres leche. Today, today is the anniversary right, of right. 48 years of the airing of Scooby-Doo. What? Scooby-Dooby-Doo. That's right. Wow, that's UFO-related, all right. It is the the anniversary of the first airing of Scooby-Doo today. That is what's up. And today is also the other anniversary. Jay-Scoob! This is going to make everybody feel really old. Nobody? It is is the 25th year anniversary 
of Pinky and the Brain trying to take over. It's Pinky wow. and the Brain. It's Pinky and the Brain. One. Still the greatest cartoon ever made, by the way. The other's insane. Do you love how yeah. you listen to a song like that? Anybody who Earth. doesn't believe that musicals happen in real life is wrong. They're wrong. No, but you know, <laughs> you know what? It's funny. I, I haven't been really a cartoon watcher for many, many years, decades, because you know I'm a, I'm a grown-up. But I would still watch Pinky and the Brain. You guys have such great ideas. I love the Flintstones. I, mean, I always yeah, watch the Flintstones. Oh, you just had the hots for the older pebbles. Just, yeah, he did. Just yeah, he did. He did. Just admit it. Notice I'm I had to point out the older, he- the older pebbles, okay. not the younger pebbles. I do. See, well, I've, got a, I've got a four-year-old godchild, too, so I'm down with the cartoons. But the cartoons nowadays, they're not as good. They're not as entertaining. No, 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 they're not. It's no. bothering me. It's really bothering yep. me. Like, Dora, I, I couldn't get with it. I can't get with Dora. There's some other shit that she and you watches. you speak Spanish, too, and you, can't can't. Get, and you can't deal with Dora? I don't speak Spanish. I don't oh, you speak don't. Spanish. No, okay. no, I, I speak Spanish. I don't. that damn backpack. I hablo el español. Angel speak it in Spanish. I don't speak it in Spanish. I speak it in Penny. I can't get in. I don't. I I feel like the the old the old school stuff was a lot more entertaining than what kids are watching now. I just do. I just, yeah, now, granted, this is a I haven't watched Star Wars Rebels. That might get a pass. <sighs> oh, see, that was universal. You saw it. We all we both did it. You have to watch Rebels. Okay, you just have okay. to. Now, yeah. okay, should, should I finish Clone Wars before I watch Rebels? Yes, 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 yes. It's not necessary, but I recommend it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. you need. You I think need, I'm yeah. like halfway through Clone Wars. So. They do stand. They do stand apart from each other, but some of the some of the people uh, from Clones pops in and net and uh, Pulp Fictions into um, into Rebels, and the new season of Rebels is right around the corner too. Oh, that's what's up. I like having. I like stacking it up so I have you know like a good. I can just like Netflix blend binge on things. But watching Clone Wars is making me really sad for what I know happens. It's bothering me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if you've seen the prequels, you know how it ends. You know, Anakin becomes Vader. Exactly. Yada yada right. yada. You know. So now I'm watching him and and Ahsoka and Obi Wan, and I'm you know they're fighting together. You really you delve into these characters. It makes the ending sting more. I like it, but it's making me sad. Well, All wait right. till you see what happens in in Rebels. Actually, what's really amazing of Rebels this season, they are finally making one character that they nulled out and voided when Disney bought. I heard about that. Yeah, I'm they're excited. bringing him in, and he's mm-hmm. a major, major Let, player. Let's just say he's a big blue guy. And he, he ain't Papa a... Smurf. No, and he's, he's not a member. Papa he not Papa uh, Smurf, uh, no. Not, not the Papa Even though that would be a hell of a crossover. That would be a great crossover, Papa Smurf on the yeah. Star Wars. That would be great. I, I don't approve He's of gonna smurf the, the rebels. You gotta throw Gargamel in there somewhere. Dude, Gargamel will be more, Gargamel will be more evil than the Emperor. I'm just saying right now. Gargamel and the True Emperor story. together? Oh my goodness. Well, well, he eats people. Gargamel exactly. eats people. Exactly. Yes. Evil is Gargamel. He's like the crazy cannibal. Now, like speaking of crazy, let's uh, go to some news here, guys. We have a few things we yeah. wanted to get to. Uh, the first thing I wanted to uh, talk about, because we haven't been on in a couple of weeks, so we haven't really got to much UFO-related topics or news, uh, but there's a couple of things on Open Minds, uh, TV, by the way. Uh, Shout-out to Alejandro Rojas. My goodness, what a gentleman. I finally got to meet oh, him after yeah, great guy. eight years yeah, of knowing him. Too. On the internet, interviewing him a bunch of times. He's been on this show a bunch of times. You know, I, I, after years, he had me on his show once, which was awesome. And uh, he interviewed me for once, which I was like completely lost. Why anybody would want me 
on their show to be interviewed. But hey, he did it, and it was a good episode. And I was just, uh, you know, blown away by the fact that he wanted me on the show. But meeting him in person was just awesome. He's a, he's a great dude. And, uh, you know, can't wait to uh, continue our, you know, our friendship in the future and maybe go see him in UFO Congress next year in February. So, yeah, guys, we bookmark that. that one now. Yep, we should. And uh, that way we won't have any uh, technical issues. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Yeah, moving let's on. definitely not go there. Yeah. <laughs> we worked it out just fine. I don't say y'all well, can trip it. It was fine. It was good. The videos came don't out really good. Don't sweat the small stuff, y'all. Don't the sweat the The videos are coming out stuff. good. The videos are coming out good. They're coming out good. Mm-hmm. Now, the first thing I wanted to get to says, media says strong signal from space may be alien, but scientists say, eh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. What do scientists know? You know what do they whatever. know? Just, has scientists you know? even recognized that there could be UFOs? Yeah, scientists can just kiss my booty. I'm tired you of hearing scientists don't They're like it. Whatever. Yeah, it was. Here, check this out. It says, the media has been ablaze with the story of a strong signal from space detected by a team of Russian astronomers last uh, spring that the uh, SETI... the vodka. Yes, they're like, <laughs> in, they're like, a signal from space that must be aliens. That's my best Russian, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, the SETI Institute recently, uh, yeah, well, you know, it happens. Uh, they recently trained uh, their telescope, yeah, trained their telescope uh, to attempt to detect. However, this, uh, despite the hype, scientists are not hopeful that this was an actual message from ET. Uh, they, they think they picked up the Playboy channel or something. I don't know what the hell they think this is. But it says the attention of the, on the Russian discovery began on August 27th, 2016. So it was just last month. Uh, the day before, we interviewed a bunch of folks on MUFON. How about that? Uh, with an article on the website called uh, Centurion, Centuri, uh, Centuri Dreams. There we go. It says, it is ran by an, an amateur astronomer, Paul Gilster, and we should have him on the show. We should track this guy down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who writes about peer-reviewed research on deep space explorations. Uh, it says here, Gilster claimed the recently received document uh, that was being uh, circulated by Alexander Panoff, a physicist in um, uh, Lem... Lemonosov uh, from Moscow State University. I'm probably butchering that name. The document details the discovery of a strong signal in the direction of HD 164595 using a Retin 600 radio telescope in the village of, uh, I'm going to butcher this, of course, Zelenchuninskia. Yeah. That was good. It was in Russia. Let's just leave it at that. It was uh, May 15, 2015 when they got this. Uh, Gilster points out that no one is claiming that this is the work of extraterrestrial civilizations, uh, but it is certainly worth a further study. Now, SETI scientists agreed and began further study on the possible signal while the media set to tell the world uh, that this potential signal from an extraterrestrial civilization. You look... Seth Shostak, the senior astronomer for SETI Institute, wrote uh, an article to clarify the new, uh, the view of the signal and, and to outline the steps they were taking to investigate. He said the alien telescope array ATA was swung to the direction of HD one six four five nine five beginning on the evening of August twenty eighth. However, thus far they have not been able to detect a signal. He explained the Raton 600 radio telescope was capable of detecting a much broader uh, bandwidth, so it would take more time for the alien array to scan the entire band. So they might be able to redetect it or not. We're not sure yet. Uh, but scientists are saying, no, it's probably not extraterrestrial. Who the hell knows what it probably uh, don't is. Don't worry about it. Just ignore it. Move along, folks. Nothing to yep. say. Yep. Well, that's, that's literally my question. If it's not extraterrestrial, then what is it? Well, as Mike Tyson would say, that's ludicrous. That's ludicrous. 
has to be aliens. I mean, I'm totally like, okay, it's 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 space dust. It's two planets, you know, banging together. It's a fucking meteorite. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. So if scientists are saying it's not an alien signal, then what is your what is your additional what is your hypothesis? Right. What are you telling me this? Uh, what? Well, science. Yeah. Bogus. That's science, baby. Bogus. It's all theory, right? It is. Okay. Well, yeah. I hope Seti keeps investigating because that's that's very interesting. This, I mean, look, seti has been around for a, they've been around for a long time. This is probably the best signal I think they've they've received or gotten. Wow. Wow! 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 I, cool. the, I wonder. I wonder if we could hear it if they got it up somewhere that we could listen to it. Well, it's probably a bunch of gibberish. We probably won't be able to tell. I mean, look, whatever signal they get, it's not like we're going to be able to just put it on like a radio and hear like you know a bunch of aliens going. Wouldn't it be amazing if it was just that easy? Like, come on, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. But chances are, we're not going to be able to detect anything. I mean, it's going to be less legible than the other guy uh, drinking whatever the hell he was drinking right now. I wasn't drinking anything. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you slurping on something. Might have been Chris Brown, though. Chris? Not me. Wait. I just turned my thing on mute. Uh, off mute. Sure as hell ain't me. Sorry, I'm not taking the blame for this. Oh, not for this one. But man, at MUFON, he was crunching on ice. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, that was wonderful. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I had to, like, I had to do a lot of, I had to do a lot of audio editing, the other guy. Guess what? <laughs> the other guy was horrible. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, we had to throw a pen at him at one point. Yeah. He's like, bro, he's like breaking down while we're trying to conduct an interview. So he's literally right next to the table where we're doing the interviews, like fucking breaking down boxes. Opening candy <laughs> bars with the rapper loud as hell. Like <laughs> All I can say is, whoops. He was, he was paying attention though, cause he'd like stop and he'd come over and he'd ask him a random question and then he'd like wander off again. It was great. The other guy is like Tally. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, hold on. They weren't random questions. They were well thought out, uh, very well articulated questions that he had. Pro- some of them had problems even answering. So no, I'll give you, him, I'll, I'll give the other guy some props no, on this one. He asked a, he asked a couple of good questions. So he really did. I'm not gonna like completely uh, poop on the guy. He, he asked some really decent questions. So. Thank you. I'll, for give, I'll give you. I'll give you props on that. I'll give you, I'll give you props on that. I mean, now, uh, I, the next... I had to go bat squash on someone. You know, uh, it, it was ridiculous. Yes, in the bathroom, he went bat squash on him. But anyway, um, moving on to the next story here, uh, real quick uh, because we're short on time. Uh, mysterious man-like creature wandering Portuguese desert caught on film. Dun dun dun. Uh-oh. Now, if you guys want to see this video, it's posted on our Facebook page. Go to facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio, all one word. And uh, you see, you scroll down a little bit, and you'll see the uh, mysterious, bizarre creature. It could be a chupacabra. It could be a CGI cabra. It could be some kind CGI of cabra. CGI cabra. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, I was, right, I was trying to think of my feet. It's behind anyway, the bush. Hang on. Move from yeah. behind the bush, strange creature. Now, this I is your. This bush. is your. Yeah, well, the bushes are cool. Like it, hides, it hides it uh, hides the CGI effects. Uh, oh, Bigfoot man. and Yeti and the Chupacabra; those are legends of mysterious humanoid beings, missing links between man and animal. Perhaps uh, they exist in almost every culture. As much as you might want to chalk these stories up to fantasy, there are so many reports of these creatures that it's difficult to dismiss them. Says the article, even if their existence hasn't been proven yet, because there hasn't been any proof of at all. Uh, and now there's one more piece of evidence to add to the pile. This startling video taken in Portugal captures uh, something definitely not human walking upright, plodding uh, through the desert. Now, uh, other guy over here was uh, quick to uh, yell, <coughs> "Bat 
Sasquatch earlier before the show started. Yep, that was it. You still you still stick to that one? After looking at the end, see, he was drinking video. something. I just busted yeah, you. Now I was drinking. Oh, that's the same oh, sound. Oh, oh. Same sound I just heard earlier. <sighs> no, well, it wasn't me. So there, haha. Okay, uh-huh, uh-huh. but in all seriousness, though, um, it's all good, though, I'm. I was looking at the video. I mean, at the beginning, it looks fine, but when you zoom in close up to it, the way that the white color blends into the tree. And then nothing appears afterwards. Keep on walking. Um, I don't feel it's a legitimate deal. Sorry. Hey. I hear you, but here's oh, where... Okay. The only thing that I can think of why I, I would call uh, Bat Squatch on it is because it kind of reminds me of that Alien in the Room video that came out a few years ago on YouTube uh, that's kind of like being held hostage in a room, kneeling down, and the door opens and puts food on the floor, and he walks around for a minute. Um, it kind of reminds me of that kind of CGI because that's, that's clearly CGI. Uh, okay. The way he's the way he's walking kind of reminds me of that, but at the mm-hmm. same time, given the environment and how far away it is, and it's some kind of a weird creature, which is not to say that this creature would not look like that from far away. So, I'm reluctant to, to call CGI on it just yet, uh, but I'm pretty sure if we keep looking on, on YouTube, somebody's going to debunk it eventually, and you know we'll have our answer. So. Uh, it's an interesting video, though, but uh, look, again, we can't trust the video. That's the main problem with uh, a lot of these things. Uh, there's too many uh, easy ways to create CGI creatures and aliens and UFOs and stuff. Now. Isn't that horrible now? Because, I mean, we're looking for evidence, and, you know, one of the best things, evidence, is video. <laughs> and now we can't trust any of the videos. So now we know we don't just need video. Now you need video plus physical evidence. And yep. we were even right. talking to somebody. We had somebody on the show a while ago. I think it was one of our MUFON guys that were talking about how people don't know how to properly handle evidence. So it's really just like, fucking throw your hands up and be like, gosh. I give up. <laughs> you know, like, I give up. Yep, that's pretty much it. Uh, guys, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have our guest, John Polk, on the line with us, and we're going to talk about his book about Yahweh being an alien and uh, what he came up with, uh, his answers that made him write this book. It's an interesting story, so please stick around. If you guys want to join in the show and ask any questions, please do so. Our call-in number, as always, is uh, 786-245-8127. Again, that's oh, 786-245-8127. No, but he's going to just say it wrong, so I'm going to say it right. Here you go, 786-245-8127. Call on in. We'll love to hear from you, and I'm sure John, the good reverend, would love to hear from you also and answer any questions you have. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio, right here on PSN Radio. Boom, boom, boom. military career, did you ever see anything that came close to an unusual UFO sighting or... No. Holy 
That was the yeah, yeah. ten seconds of uh, no. What are you? That tra- was so convincing. Yeah. What are you trying to say there? Well, UFO is an innocuous term. That's the worst fucking denial I've ever heard. And I don't know what flying Mac Maloney's Military X Files Friday nights at 11 p.m. Eastern on the Public Streaming Radio Network. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. The George Rodriguez Show. Who? I said the George Rodriguez Show. You don't know George Rodriguez? Wasn't he the guy that filled in for Neil Rogers? Yes, that George Rodriguez. What's he like? Oh, he's a short little Cuban fellow. Kind of funny looking. Well, when's he on? 12 to 3, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SoFloRadio.com and SoFloRadio.net. The George Rodriguez Show is much more than adequate. All right, everybody, welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, and uh, yes, we are live. I know that a lot of folks uh, this uh, last two weeks uh, were messaging me on private, and they're like, what the hell, man? What the hell? I gave up a they hot date. When we're not here. Yeah, it's I gave weird. up this hot date to, to listen to it, and you guys are not even live? Screw you guys, man. <laughs> but no, no, we're, we're live, everybody. We're live. All our listeners should hang out in the chat room, by the way, because there is a chat room, and it's been very quiet lately, and that makes me sad. Because they, they kind of mad at us because, you know, we're, we weren't live the last couple of weeks. But we're here now. We're live. And we have our guest on the line, Mr. John Polk. And John, of course, is a, a reverend who wrote a book about Yahweh being an alien. How does that work? Welcome to the show, John. Jesus is a hybrid. Well, we'll get to that. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> John, welcome to Skywatchers Radio, my friend. Thank you so much for being on here with us tonight. Uh, hey, it's our second show together, and uh, I'm excited. You know what? That's it right. is our second. It yeah, is. it is technically our second show together. That's absolutely correct. And you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what, man. I had so much fun at the MUFON convention. Meeting you, meeting Alejandro, meeting everybody who was over there was phenomenal. Your interview was one of the most fun interviews because, uh, and I'm not just saying that you know to kiss your ass because you're on the air with us. That's not why I'm saying it. <laughs> uh, the reason I say it is because I've been saying that you know God is an alien for years. And everybody looks at me cross-eyed like I'm crazy. And to hear somebody write a book about it and, uh, you know, say, uh, it echoes some of the things I've been saying. Now, I never said Yahweh or the Anunnaki, but I do think that God is, by the mere definition of God, he's an alien. And, uh, you know, your book, I'm dying to get through it and, and go through it and read it because I think it's, uh, it's going to be enlightening 
uh, especially for the fact that you, you threw in a lot of stuff in there that I'm interested in, like the Anunnaki and, and stuff like that. But let's uh, delve right into it because, you know, some of the audience here have not seen the interview yet. They have not seen the video. Uh, they didn't, you know, check out the MUFON convention. They weren't there. Uh, so they weren't, like, standing around gawking at us while we were talking to you. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about the book and, uh, and exactly what the book is all about. Okay, so Yahweh, the biblical god, right. is an alien. Yahweh, in effect, is Enlil of the Anunnaki. Um, I've been using the term creator god aliens. Creator god aliens are ascended masters in the universe that fall or they look at a, a planet like the earth and they see potential for hybridization programs also for purposes of mining it for its precious gems ores raw materials etc so anu and the anunnaki descended from the skies to the planet earth uh perhaps even millions of years ago and they needed gold to repair the atmosphere of their planet nibiru now it's there's a lot of debate and contention. Is Nibiru kind of like the Death Star on Star Wars, or is it an actual planet? Um, in the end, they needed gold, and they were mining it themselves, and they realized that it was such a toil and taxing on their bodies uh, to physically mine gold and other precious minerals from the Earth plane. So they decided to mix their DNA with the indigenous species of hominids, with more like Neanderthal man back then. Um, at first, Enlil just wanted to flood the earth and kill them all and create his own model human. And Enki, uh, Enki and uh, their sister Ninma, who they both had children with, uh, believe it or not, within the Anunnaki pantheon, uh, approached Enlil and said, you know, we don't have to kill off this indigenous species. We can mix our DNA with them and create... Uh, a model worker so that we don't have to do all the mining of the gold ourselves. So that's actually what they did. How did you connect the dots between Yahweh and the Anunnaki? Okay, so a number of years ago, Enlil first came to me as Enoch, who is also known as the Archangel Metatron, who is in effect the scribe of the gods. Enoch was actually the great-grandfather of Noah. And Noah, along with Jesus Christ and Buddha and Wang Di, the first emperor of China, and even Merlin the magician, were all virgin births. Um, so first he came to me as Enoch. A couple years removed, I, I, my conscious mind started to receive downloads that he was in effect Yahweh, who is the biblical God portrayed in the Old Testament. And then a couple years after that, um, I figured out this whole time that Enlil was communicating through Yahweh and through Enoch to me, uh, really masking himself until I was more spiritually mature enough to be able to understand and fathom. This was the uh, great Anunnaki elder who basically first started to uh, create human beings on this planet. Wow, and even Merlin the Magician, how did you connect that dot? Yeah, it's in the literature. Um, Merlin was supposedly capable of uh, levitating stones, and then he actually helped build Stonehenge, Woodhenge, and the Superhenge. They have since found all these henges all through that part of England um, that they didn't even know before. But now with the ground-penetrating radar that came about in the 1950s, they're finally starting to find all these other henges. Um, but also, Merlin's function was to get all the people of the British Isles 
to stand behind King Arthur. That's how he was able to draw the, uh, the sword from the stone and some other miraculous feats because they had to make him almost superhuman so that people would want to worship him as their king. And it worked. Now, you know, a lot of folks, uh, you know, I've read the story of uh, King Arthur and the Sorcerer's Stone and Merlin the Magician. And, you know, I, I've always taken that to be mythology. I never thought that it actually was real, per se. Um, how far apart are we talking about from when the Anunnaki landed here uh, to when Merlin and, the, you know, how, how far apart was that exactly chronologically? So I don't know, um, maybe millions of years, the, right? Yeah, the Annals of Cambrai... Uh, date this probably back, I don't know. I- I'm making an educated guess. Perhaps maybe a-, a thousand or more years. I can't be exact, so don't hold me to that. But the Anunnaki, in my opinion, have been on this planet for perhaps even millions of years. Um, Mike- Michael Cremo, who has authored uh, a very world-famous book called Forbidden Archaeology, um, and if you've ever seen uh, his stand-up lecture series, he's absolutely genius and fascinating. He actually has an artifact that uh, shows intelligence as far as artwork and artistry and craftsmanship in this little artifact that he has found. And he found it in North America. Or let me rephrase that. It was found in North America. And somehow he got his hands on this object and he carries it with him to his lectures. And this object is dated at 2.8 billion years old. And it's very clear. And it's very clear that it was made under some kind of, of intelligence. Were they extraterrestrials? Did they create a, a human-like hybrid, you know, 2.8 billion years ago? I, I can't be sure. But the artifact itself um, is a, a statement and a testament to how old and how long the human creation story has been going on on this planet. Well, people do say that the uh, Prometheus movie might be very close to what's actually happened. Um, I've heard that, yeah. Comment on that. I know the story behind Prometheus, but I, I have never seen the movie. I'm sure that it would be fascinating. Well, the very beginning worth shows... Worth uh, Absolutely yeah, worth it's a, it's, a, it's a good movie, especially the beginning. It shows uh, the alien race that lands on Earth, and one of them takes a potion which is going to like destroy his body, and he, jump, and he falls into a uh, waterfall, and his body disintegrates into the waterfall, given water DNA and creating all life on Earth. Okay, yeah, I, I, I have to watch it. So that's like required reading for me now. Yeah, <laughs> required watching, yeah. <laughs> nice. Worth it. It's completely worth it. I thought it was a great movie. I don't care what anybody says. Absolutely it was. Awesome. Yeah, really well. And you know what? I've interviewed Michael Cremo before. Mm. I Anybody who is interested in this topic absolutely should read his book, Forbidden Archaeology. He's, an, he's a very interesting dude to talk to, and his research is it's right up there. It really is. Well, and he's he found loves some fascinating things. Yeah, he loves. The yeah, he does. Archaeologist, <laughs> he loves it, man. He relishes it. He foams at the mouth over it. And the number one reason, number one reason why is because he's right, but he's also a genius. And so, you know, try and argue with a genius uh, who can back it up with actual scientific data himself. So, you know, the he would not be fun to argue with if you're a mainstream archaeologist. That's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Now, how does he go about dating the this object of becoming? We're talking about billions of years. How do you exactly date something billions of years old? Um, radiocarbon dating is more of an, uh, you know, it's kind of outdated now. And I forget the term of the. Uh, it's a form of radiocarbon dating, but it's much more evolved and much more accurate. Um, I, I I can't recall exactly what it is, but if you read the book, or uh, actually, my mom gave me a copy of. 
his stand-up lecture series on VHS tape, just to give you an idea how long he's been around talking about this stuff. Wow. Um, yeah, and he talks about it, and you know, I can't remember the name of the actual uh, dating process that they employ. Interesting stuff. I'm gonna have to look more into uh, into uh, this uh, object. Uh, man, you know, it always baffles my mind when science dates stuff because I'm like, how do they get to certain numbers? You know, like 4.7 billion years is what people think the Earth is, right? How do they get to that number? You know, it could have right. been even longer than that. They say the uh, the universe is 13 billion years old. Now they're saying maybe 25 billion years old. How do they get to these numbers? You know, it's just is is mind boggling. Now, uh, going back to the book though, with Yahweh being uh, one of the Anunnaki. Um, is he a being that is still alive, or is he passed on, as far as you I, know? He, he's very much still alive. Yeah, oh, he's okay. definitely still alive. Wow, he's an old dude. Is he a clone of his, is he? Is he a clone of his, of his former self? Is he still really that alive? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think he's a clone, but if, if we go to the Sumerian Kings list, um, the Sumerian's Kings list will list all of the kings of... Mesopotamia, and uh, some of these kings lived to be 35,000 to over 40,000 years old. So I want to know what their diet is. <laughs> um, Not atomic gold, probably. They have Anunnaki blood through their veins. Uh, you know. How come we can't find that in all the blood types that we test? Um, you know, it's possible that the RH negative is possibly part of the Anunnaki bloodline. I thought that was reptilian. Everybody was saying. Well, is it? You know, I, I don't know. It, reptilian. Uh, they're shapeshifters. I do know that. Okay, how do, how do we know that? Yeah, how do we know that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, hold up. Uh, how do we well, know? If you look at the if you look at the iconography of, especially in uh, Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. they'll you'll see them presented as bird like. You'll also right. see them presented as human-like, with big beards, um, wristwatches, long hair, um, and also highly evolved extraterrestrials. They know how to manipulate their mitochondrial DNA. If you know how to electro- electronically phase your mitochondrial DNA, you can, in effect, change your DNA, and thus you can actually shapeshift. And that actually came to me in a dream, and I've I've thrown that at some other scientists, and they say it's within the the scientific possibility of it actually being feasible, and that it can be done. So I I tend to believe that that shape shifting for them is something that is very easy, and it's something that they've been able to do for thousands of years. My question was, you talked about Merlin being able to move stones. My question to you is, in any of your research, do you think that he used sound technology to do this? I do. Because, I do. Okay. Can you go into that a little bit more, like what your research has found? Because I've, I've read some interesting things about if you, if you can use sound to manipulate mm-hmm. the weight of objects, and then you can either pass through them or move them. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny you bring that up, Crystal, before you answer that, John. I saw a documentary, and I've seen it a couple times now, but I was watching it again a couple nights ago on YouTube called uh, Don't Watch This Video or Don't Watch This Film. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, and, of course, I watched it. Yeah, this I saw a the, link for yeah. that one. Uh, In there, they actually they, they, they talk about this very same thing where they used uh, sound waves to levitate stones and that's how the pyramids were built also. Um, John, expand on that, please. 
Um, yeah, there's a number of different ways to do it. There's acoustic levitation, um, where basically going back to what I was talking about, uh, pulsing an electromagnetic field, you can render objects weightless and you can also make them disappear and reappear. And then there's also what you call auditive levitation, where you match the sound frequency of matter and basically render an object weightless. Um, so it's very common to see, you know, uh, Merlin the Magician, Zeus, Thor, and other creator god aliens with some kind of kinetic weapon or handheld device. And I believe that these devices had multiple functions, but one of the functions was for them to be able to levitate stones. Because it's pretty clear, you know, at the MUFON conference, I... I ended up getting in an argument with this scientist who lives here locally in Orlando I've met before. And uh, he's just so totally against ancient aliens and, you know, anything he can do. He loves to fight tooth and nail with me over this stuff. But I always go right for the jugular. I go to the Trilithon in Baalbek, Lebanon, that has a stone that is perfectly mathematically cut and stacked and lifted also uh, with with star constellations in mind uh, that weighs four million pounds. Ooh, wow. I'm sorry. There's another stone in the same structure wow. that weighs 2.8 million pounds. Now, wow. they, yeah, they've had uh, so they had uh, this community college go out to Easter Island and do research on moving them away, and there was probably like over a hundred students. And, you know, they were using ropes and pulleys, which they supposedly did not have back when the Moai were being created on Easter Island. Uh, and they were able and rollers. There's no trees on Easter Island. So but they brought their own trees for rollers and uh, they were only able to move one of the Moai a half an inch. That was it. You know, and it's like, come, come on, people. You know, uh, four million pounds. Number one, where did they even quarry the rock? They can't find right. the rock. They can't find the rock quarry for Baalbek, Lebanon. They can't find it. You know. Also, where are you going to find a stone that's bigger than four million pounds and then cut it down mathematically into four million pounds? You know, it's just, it's just. It's not- called Stone Mountain, and it's in the Carolinas, I believe. I'm, I, what? I'm, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard of... I was like, wait, what? Okay, where do you find a four million pound stone? It's real easy. Uh, you can find them. They're out there. There's, you know, there are stones out there that are that large, like Stone Mountain. If you Google it, you'll see what I'm talking about. No, and I, I agree. I agree, but with that part of the world, they couldn't figure out where they got the stones from in that part of the world. So, but yeah, I was just about to say, did they come over to America, get the stone levitated across the ocean to right. where he's yeah. talking about? Is that how that went down? Yeah, or were they, they playing Backstreet Boys to get him over here? Or like, how does that happen? No, 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 no. Here, I'm thinking it might be a meteoroid uh, that actually, uh, you know, a meteor that might have crashed, which caused the mass extinction, and that's what they used to carve it. Mm. Plausible to, to carve it. Well, to shape it to where it is exactly the mathematical requirements that you were saying. Um, okay, so let's say they did find the stone. How did they transport it, um, and how did they lift it? 
who says it wasn't there in the first place and they just filled the sand around it, um, you know, where the holes where they cut. Well, it's pretty clear that, that these blocks were stacked, you know, they're, they're in different, I mean, they're all in, uh, certain mathematical geometric shapes, uh, because they needed to be for them to be able to complete the structure and make it, you know, pretty much a perfect square. So anyway, it, you know, in that case, I give up, you win. It, it, it is it is debatable. It is debatable. But, you know, they've actually done experiments. They've had engineers go to Machu Picchu and stand on the top of that mountain and go, there's no way we could even get our equipment up here in the first place to even begin to create these structures. You know, so I thought, yeah. I it's thought one of the reasons great why. Argument. That is a great argument. It's one of the reasons why I love talking to Christopher Dunn um, and, and so why I've always been so fascinated with his work because he approached the building of the Great Pyramids from a perspective of an engineer. No other vested entrance. He looked at them like an engineer because that's what he was for you know the majority of his life. So the things that he has to say about the Great Pyramids and what they're really, their purpose is, it's fascinating because he's not coming from this from science or archaeology. He's coming at this from someone who builds things. So it's really, I, yeah, I like it. I like it when when we approach things like that. It makes it fun. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Crystal. No, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead, John. What's interesting about Christopher Dunn is um, he's conducted this experiment where um, imagine a Y, okay? Down one of the arms of the Y, you pour dilute uh, hydrochloric acid. I'm sorry. Yeah, dilute hydrochloric acid down one of the tubes of the Y, if you can picture a Y with one arm on each side going up. And then in the other side, hydrated zinc. You mix those two together, and it comes up with hydrogen. Well, guess what? The king's chamber and the queen's chamber were used for a similar function in the Great Pyramid. They can find evidence of dilute hydrochloric acid going down one of these shafts and hydrated zinc going down one of these other shafts mixing in the king's chamber and in effect creating a microwave uh two of them one that points towards orion and one that points towards sirius so uh, he was he was talking that this thing basically was creating uh a microwave that was shot up into a satellite uh definitely towards those certain stars and out into outer space um also that there's there's water from the nile that flows underneath the Great Pyramid, and it, it creates a low, a low-level standing wave from the water undulating underneath the pyramid. It creates a, a low, low, a low-frequency standing wave that permeates through the pyramid and helps to resonate this energy to shoot those beams off into outer space. And this is his postulation, and I tend to believe that he's completely correct. Has yeah, I'm waiting any- for someone to debate him, you know, right. on this point because he pretty much calls it a power plant. That's what the pyramid is. He says it's a power plant. Yeah. I mean, and he goes into where the quarries are and how they built it. I mean, he gets real technical with it. So it's it's really fun to read his books and talk to him because I'm waiting for someone to debate him and tell him that he's wrong. I'm waiting for somebody uh, to try to do a scientific experiment and, and prove it right. Well, I mean, I almost think they we probably broke it. <laughs> it's a you know, yeah. yeah. You know, with the, I mean, I, I know we've done, I know there's been some work done inside the pyramid to find the chambers and this, that, and the other. So, I mean, it's not in the same condition as it was. So I almost think we probably, I don't even know if we'd be able to turn it on. We'd probably blow up the earth if we tried. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think that it's possible to turn them on anymore. 
Um, you know, right around the end of the last ice age, I believe that we had um, an intercontinental network of pyramids transmitting power and energy from one pyramid to the other. Um, Nikola Tesla had recreated this concept himself. Uh, he went out to Colorado and uh, built a tower where um, about one third of the tower was underground and about two thirds of the tower was above ground. And he got these these light bulbs and without any wires, he's walking away from the tower and sticking them into the ground. They all had like a steel post on the bottom of them. So he'd stick these uh, these light bulbs in the ground and he was able to light them up without wires remotely from this tower up to over a mile away. And his whole vision was for the entire planet to have free electricity and also to be able to broadcast, he used the term broadcast, but broadcast this electricity to Mars. Now, this is, you know, Nikola Tesla. Why who, Mars? Uh, because it was in the realm of scientific possibility that you could mm. actually send the electricity from one planet to another. Now, he received this information supposedly from um, an extraterrestrial that he was channeling from Mars, and that's where he actually got the the name The Mad Scientist. That's where it all came from. And he was heavily criticized by his peers and never won the Nobel Prize, which he clearly should have won a Nobel Prize. Oh, yeah. Prize. He should have definitely that won. is crazy. See, that that's what literally yep. drives me crazy. When brilliant people tell you how you got their idea, how they got their ideas, maybe mm-hmm. we should listen because they're brilliant people. Yeah, remember, <laughs> Nikola Tesla was also working on a, a saucer-shaped flying object. Uh, so there's, uh, I mean, look, we've talked about it on the show here before, and one of my beliefs of what happened at Roswell was uh, that we were back engineering stuff uh, from the Nazi days mixed with uh, Nikola Tesla's, uh, you know, back engineered or engineering that he left behind. Um, and we accidentally crashed at Roswell, and it was one of ours that, you know, we were test flying. That's kind of been a theory of mine uh, and a theory of a lot of folks out there for, for a few years now. And I and I think that's very plausible. And I think that, uh, yeah, I think he was channeling some kind of a extraterrestrial race. And the Nazis, uh, you know, for a lot of uh, people that are into the whole Hanabu project and all that stuff, they you know, the lore is that they also were in contact, uh, you know, telepathically with an extraterrestrial race. And that's what, that's what they were working on as well. I mean, if you do the timeline, you know, the Nazi uh, war ends in the 40s. Nikola Tesla dies in the 40s. Roswell happens in the 40s. Everything happened in, in that 10-year period, which leads me to, to believe that it's all connected to each other. And uh, that's one of the biggest things, I think one of the biggest secrets the government has is that they were literally putting together technologies taken from aliens by the Nazis and by Nikola Tesla, who was, you know, uh, working on his own thing, and they mixed it together, and that's really what crashed at Roswell. To me, that's a bigger conspiracy than an alien craft just randomly crashing at Roswell. I mean, that's just my theory. Uh, You know, it all does go together. It it does. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. But here's something to think about. In 1941 in Missouri, they found a downed uh, UFO. And supposedly it had mm-hmm. occupants on board. Some died. Uh, one or two lived. In 1942 in the San Bernardino Valley in California, same case scenario. Another another UFO crashed. Uh, supposedly there was occupants on board. Some died. Some lived. Back in the 1930s, Mussolini knew about extraterrestrials in uh, flying in the skies above Italy. He knew all about it. In 1937... 
uh, a UFO crashed in the Black Forest in Poland, Poland being Germany's one of Germany's neighboring countries. They went in there and commandeered the craft, and supposedly uh, it had occupants on board. Now, before Werner von Braun died, he admitted that they had help, the Nazi SS and the Ananarbe Society, that they had help from E.T., he said that before he died. Wait, which society did you say? Anunnaki Society. They're basically the uh, SS Paranormal Division. Okay, I was going to say, what happened to the Thule Society? There was a bunch of societies within the Nazi regime, mm -hmm. if you will. Oh, okay. Right. But that one specifically dealt with uh, exotic technologies, um, extraterrestrial spacecraft, things like that. You know, even um, Heinrich Himmler had a crystal skull. Yeah, yeah. You know, they knew that the esoteric and the enigmatic and uh, the occult world and all that, uh, they actually traveled to India. Um, they traveled out to Tibet. They traveled all around the world gaining this esoteric knowledge and information because they knew there was something to it. They also traveled to the South Pole. Mm -hmm. uh, and in my estimation, they somehow found out or discovered that there is actually a portal into inner earth or middle earth, uh, which actually leads you to another dimension. Now that's an interesting. Surprise me. That's that's an interesting uh, I, you know, way to look at it because, of course, uh, a lot of people who believe in the hollow earth theory believe it's in this dimension, just inside the earth itself. So are you saying that there is no hollow earth? That it just is there's a portal that leads you to another dimension. Yeah, you know, so I, I was telling you earlier, Angel, about um, you know, I own a DJ company, and one of my speakers broke. And so I go to the guy who I bought it from a couple years ago, and he's from Puerto Rico. And most Puerto Ricans that I know that just live in America, they don't know the whole UFO, UFO story. But Puerto Ricans right. that lived in Puerto Rico and then moved mm -hmm. over here, their, their tradition is steeped. It's richly yep. steeped in UFO history and lore. And it's something yep. that they just accept as fact. But, but we were talking about this very thing. And I said, now, if you're a drilling company and you're looking for precious ores, minerals, stones, oil, etc., you know, you're going to just drill into a bunch of rocks. Right. But if, if you are like a, a shamanic elder or a, just even a really spiritually enlightened enlightened human being you can go through these these portals into inner earth and actually end up in another dimension uh for example uh jabalba was actually the mayan name for the underworld and a couple times a year lord bacall and on the uh on the top of his sarcophagus the uh uh whatever you call that stone that goes on top of the sarcophagus is a uh, is an inscription of him inside of a spaceship, but in mm -hmm. effect, it's not so much a spaceship. It was actually going into Jabalba, and Jabalba literally translates not to underworld, but according to Doctor Linda Sheely, who studied the Maya for like thirty years, that it literally translates into the Milky Way. Whoa! Okay. So they found a way to traverse their body, mind, spirit, and their space time vehicle. By traversing the Earth spirit, also. So if you know if you're a scientist and you're just digging a hole, you're going to run into a bunch of rocks. Uh, right. But, but if you know the Zuni, the Hopi, Pueblo tribes, even the Hikaria Apache, all believe that they didn't come across Alaska from the Bering Strait. They believe that they came from inner Earth 
to the surface of the earth after the last ice age. That's interesting. My goodness. I'm going to have to uh, get Dennis Crenshaw and give him a lesson because uh, he still believes he could dig all the way into the inner earth and find the actual hollow earth. Well, maybe he'll let him. Maybe he'll find the portal one day. So then we'll have to know somebody up close and personal who's actually gone and come back. You know? Now, do you think Uh, there's any truth to uh, Admiral Byrd? I was going to say, do you think there's any truth to Admiral Byrd's story? I absolutely do. And the Uh reason is because uh, he was threatened, you know. It's like, if you don't shut up about this, your whole military career is over. So he was risking his neck and his family's neck to talk about it. And eventually he quit talking about it because he knew he would lose his career forever. And ironically, that happened, uh, you know, in 1947, the same year, crash in Roswell. Also... The term UFO, I'm sorry, flying saucer was coined by a UFO sighting near Mount Rainier in uh, Washington State that same year. And also, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in Boy, 19... 19- those Dead Sea Scrolls, man. And it goes, <laughs> and well, in the Book of Enoch, who is of the Anunnaki, a huge portion of what you call the Apocryphy text, or the Pseudepigrapha, which are volumes that were kept out of the Bible. You know, the original Bible contained many, many volumes that are not in the King James Version. And there's over 50 King Version, King James Versions of the Bible today. Uh, but that was all original text in the original Bible that has been since censored and retranslated. I mean, Aramaic was the original language it was written in, and it's far so- from... It's original. Let me, let me ask you, John, because I'm sure that you've delved heavily into the Gnostic Gospels as well and all that good stuff. So what's your take on Mary in, in relationship to Yahweh? I believe that – and I believe we talked about this uh, on the show that we did um, – what was it, on the 28th of August? Correct. Yep, yep. Um, that Mary was chosen to have a hybrid, a human-alien hybrid – uh, hand-sculpted deity, half the DNA of Enlil of the Anunnaki, but also half of her DNA. And the reason is to make Jesus Christ more human and humane because uh, Enlil was very capable of just killing people. And I think he realized that this approach, he's, gonna, he's just going to lose followers. And the Gnostics, Crystal, to your point, believe that, that Yahweh, or Enlil, but Yahweh, in effect, was evil. And uh, they didn't want to deify him as their god. That's for sure. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a question, especially uh, uh, you, John. See if uh, if you know this right off the top. Uh, do you know what the genetic symbol for the DNA resembles? Yeah, the the medical sign. No, um, it, it, no, no, the medical sign. Um, wait, wait, wait. Say that again. The DNA sign. Yeah, the genetic what? symbol for DNA resembles what exactly? Oh, I don't know. The word Yah, as in Yahweh. Ooh! <laughs> you just, like, made his day. Oh, yeah, but hang on, hang on. But Did I just blow your mind or what? But that's huh? English, okay? Guys, 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 come on. Uh, uh, that's in English, which, which didn't exist. No, 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 no. Yah, Yah is a Hebrew word, my friend. Okay, so you're telling me it's the Hebrew letters that it symbolizes. Here. Look at that picture I just sent, uh, I'm going to send you guys. Oh, snap. Hang on, I haven't seen it yet. Where is it? And who is not to say the English is not the universal language? They were (laughs) made to learn the language. You're really going to go there? Hey, it's on every (laughs) planet in Star Trek. 
Okay, okay, you, you got to send me this link because I still haven't seen it online. It's in the uh, it's in the chat. It's in the the PSN chat. Oh yeah, no. Oh, you got to send it to me on Skype. Please. There you go. Thank I you. just got okay, to you. The PSN chat is is never. Okay, so it. so here's the funny part about this. This is in English, which didn't. Exist but it still says time. yeah. Yeah, it doesn't count. Explain so explain that. Wait, why does it why doesn't it count? Why doesn't it count just because it's in English? Yeah. Explain that. Because uh-huh. the language didn't exist what? then. It, it does not matter. They tried to create a corporate. Yeah, they it knew matter. it didn't exist. They knew that they would they would have it to where we could you know it, figure it out now. Exactly. Remember, supposedly the, the mythology is that they confused the language. Right, mm, that right, was old fine. mythology. I'll, I'll, I'm just giving up on you guys on this one. <laughs> right, I'm watching Seth like facepalm and just shake his head. <laughs> I, I'm pulling a Picard facepalm. Okay. <laughs> you try to explain why it says "yah." I don't know. That's still interesting, though. I mean, even like I understand that it's in English, and I understand that we're talking about, but that's still I, that's. That's one heck of a – in the context of this conversation, that's right? interesting. You can't say it's not. Like out of uh, all the DNA symbols, really, like that's what it really – we've lost John. John, John is set up with us. John doesn't like uh, us anymore. <laughs> do, <laughs> do we really lose him? I, I, don't know what, I don't know what happened, but I'm back. So John's <laughs> mind blew up after the revelation of Yah being the symbol of DNA, oh. and he just – this guy couldn't handle it. Uh, I think we yeah, stirred up the ghost in the machine. By that's what that was. We that was it. Yeah, I'm just gonna so stay out of this. Yeah, please. Just, I'm just, just, I'm just mute, like, mute wow. thyself. Just mute, you yeah. mute yourself. Yeah, yeah. 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 There you go, Christy. Yeah. I know it's good. I so like it. I, it works for me. Now I have several interpretations of what, who Jesus was and uh, and stuff, and I've never really uh, looked at him being probably a hybrid. That's uh, that's new to me. I've I've heard the term that Jesus was an alien before, and people you know made that claim um, that he was an alien. Uh, is there? I mean, other than the miracles that he performed uh, supposedly, uh, is there any literature that uh, will point to uh, to us? You know that are you know interested in, in learning more about this uh, that could give us a hint that he really was a hybrid. Um, there is some literature out there. I, I couldn't exactly tell you, uh, how to go about finding it, but what I have learned is any, any, any kind of history of how Jesus, uh, came to this planet. Um, you can find a thousand different stories with a thousand different interpretations. So only one of them is completely correct. Now, what I told you, I never read anywhere. I received that. So... I either receive some bad information, some disinformation, or something that's completely correct. Uh, nobody can prove it. But I go back to the most famous virgin births in world history that I know of, Merlin the Magician, Buddha. Um, no Wait a minute, Horus. Buddha had a mother because his fa- he was originally Lord Siddhartha, who then became Buddha, the Enlightened One. Yeah, but his mother, uh, his mother was impregnated by a giant elephant god. Okay, so oh, there, there's oh, the problem. 
I don't and Buddha be a little bit chubby. You know, only because, only because I also have a, a, I do a lot of studying in how, in kind of feminism and the history of goddesses and all that kind of stuff. So my only issue with the virgin birth is it's almost like, it's like the purity of women. It's like we're not allowed to have sex. We're not allowed to get it on. This bothers me because that story just keeps repeating over and over again. You know, why couldn't she actually have had sex got in, and got impregnated? Like, why so many virgin stories? It, it, it's driving me nuts. I'm sorry. And I could go deeper. And in it's that, not only I Jesus. My, I guess my also. real question. I guess well, maybe a more interesting question would be uh, to John: Have you heard anything about Yahweh having a daughter? Um, no, no. But uh, Enlil is Yahweh. But Enki, who is his uh, actual older half brother, they both had babies with their sister Ninma. Um, why? It's very common for extraterrestrials to want to keep the bloodline all alien blood. So that's why they would have sex with their own siblings. Even King Tut at one point married his own grandmother. So just Whoa. Yeah. Oh, now, you know. I know. Whoa, that's that's just gross, that. man. I'm not, that. I'm not endorsing it. All right, guys. Uh, we have to actually uh, go to commercial break now. So let's uh, do this. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got more with our guest, John Polk, and we're going to keep talking about Yahweh, the biblical God, is an alien. Fascinating stuff, really, really is. Hopefully, uh, you guys are having a good time uh, with this topic tonight because it's just riveting. John is uh, an amazing guest, so, so stick around, guys. We'll be back in about two minutes with more Skywatchers Radio right here on PSN Radio. down to your computer but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go TalkStream live introduces our first ever iphone application the talk shows you follow now follow you and your iphone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the internet listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day seven days a week mobile talk radio from TalkStream live now available in the itunes app store Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. 
All right, everybody, we're back on All Problem Radio tonight here on Skywatchers Radio. I don't know what the heck the second questions are, but they seem to have cleared themselves up now, and hopefully we have a smooth show for the rest of the way here with John Polk, who is just blowing our minds, and we're blowing his with this whole Yahweh thing with Yah and DNA. Huh? That's crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you said that just to make the other guy cringe inside, didn't you? Of course. That's exactly the way I say it. Everything I say now is to make him cringe. No, but seriously, though, I mean, in all honesty, though, when I first saw that, because, look, I saw that on that video, um, I'm not going to lie, it was the uh, the video, Don't Watch This Film, and then I went mm-hmm. and researched it, and I was like, oh, my God, it really does spell out the word, yeah. And yes, that, that is. That's a very that interesting coincidence. It just yeah. is. It and just it, is. It makes sense to me, John- is what I'm saying. It does. John, I have a question for you, and it's going to be kind of a, a jumbled question because I did a lot of research on the Anunnaki and, and Lil and Enki years and years and years ago. So, But I remember researching something that kind of was related to the way that they spelled things, and my research pointed to – I think it was just one crazy thing that I read, so that's why I'm asking you. It said that Eden was actually spelled E dot D-E-N and was actually a laboratory. Have you heard of that before? I have. I, awesome. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that, that concept before where um, the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve supposedly were and they, you know, plucked the – this tree of knowledge and ate the the sacred fruit uh, tempted by the serpent but also that it was like a um a genetics laboratory i have heard that um i don't know if it's true or not but i have definitely heard about it interesting okay i just wanted to know if i was the only one who had read that crazy article that i i don't even know where it is now but this is yeah, interesting. No, i've never i've never read that article but i've heard that theory before by the way sorry john 
No, um, you know, so the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims, they all take ownership of Adam and Eve in their own, you know, biblical texts. Um, But, you know, not all three can be correct, of course. But what's interesting, um, Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, and Cain killed Abel. And uh, I think it's in the Jewish Talmud where after he killed Abel, his brother, uh, he walks to a small town where there are other people. So, if Adam yeah, nobody talks about, nobody people, talks about that, huh? Okay, where yeah, those people Adam showed up? Were the first people on this planet, you know? Then they would have to have sex with with their with their kids over and over and over and over. And then where did oh. they come up with black people and Asians and you know? I mean, yeah, and good. and it's for the amount process. of inbreeding, for the amount of inbreeding, very few retards. Because why did you no stop it <laughs> i'm just saying you know that's a serious scientific fact you know inbreeding leads to you know retardation look i'm not making that up in science okay it's science <laughs> but no you're absolutely right though john i mean they do walk to this town there are other people there this is something that religious uh institutions don't like to talk about uh because they want us to believe that these two white people in the jungle created all life which included blacks asians indians like it just doesn't make any sense. It, it literally doesn't. doesn't make any sense. It's literally it's like after Noah, after the flood. Like really, that's 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 a lot of getting it on, y'all. That's a lot. Right. But here's here's the thing, though. In our own DNA, there's like how many thousands of junk DNA uh, that that look like somebody was making mistakes along the way before Homo sapiens was created correctly. Yeah. Now, what's your take on that, too, John? Because okay, let me. I have heard that you know scientists keep trying to say now they keep backtracking, saying that they didn't mean that it was junk DNA. All they were saying was it's some DNA and they don't know what it does. Whatever, that's right. fine. But there's a lot of it. So, what's your take on that, John? That they just they just don't know how to interpret it. That's what I think. Mm, yeah. Some of it may have very little function, but I believe a lot of it uh, has been done through su- such advanced DNA technology um, and breeding that, mm-hmm. you know, our scientists with our primitive technology today are just beginning to learn how to understand all of that. You know, Sir Francis Crick uh, decoded uh, the double helix back in like, what, the 50s or 60s. Um, right. But still was a, a long way away from actually understanding all of our genetics. So there's a couple markers within our genetics. Um, HAR1 is what makes us different than chimpanzees. On a, right. on, on a DNA scale, we're like within 3 or 4% of a chimpanzee. Our organs are very similar. Uh, you know, pretty much most of our body... And our physical makeup is very similar to a chimpanzee. But then you throw in HAR1, and that makes us more human than the monkeys. And then also, there's a fox gene, which is responsible for our voice box. And then there's um, VMAT number two, uh, vesicular monoamine transporter number two. And this was discovered by Dr. Dean Hamer in 2005. And it's basically the God gene. It's something that all humans have. Some some humans just aren't even. A, some humans will never ever be influenced by this gene just because of maybe upbringing, or this gene just for whatever reason doesn't affect their mind like most humans do. But this right. gene was placed. These these three genes specifically were placed out of sequence. I mean, if you take the DNA strand and you put like a line through it in three different places that's the way 
that these genetic markers look in a DNA strand. They look like they were placed there. Crystal said about it was obvious that there had been some mistakes made along the way. Uh, the Anunnaki um, tampered with the DNA of primitive man, Neanderthal man, and mixing mm-hmm. their genetics with Neanderthal man. Uh, and it must have taken I don't know how many different tries before they found right the- trial and error is trial and error and absolutely. Now I read an article. I read an article not long ago that said that there was a mystery of 145 different what they called alien genes. Uh, the scientists discovered some DNA is not from our ancestors. And they say it could change how we think of, of evolution altogether because of these 145 alien genes. And I like the term alien genes. Not godly mm-hmm. genes, alien genes. Aliens. That's what right. Aliens, y'all. Uh-huh. Aliens. Not Levi's. Not Wranglers. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, what's your take on that? The, the, fact that the, the fact that scientists actually call it alien genes to begin with. What's your take on that, John? I, I believe it. I believe it. They're, you know, they're genes that they can't uh, readily explain or identify or completely understand what the function and purpose is of them. So they, they call them alien. Some of them are probably very explainable and others, I believe all of us have at least some watered-down version of alien DNA contained within our genetics. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, and it's also why it makes intelligent design, the science, so actual, so you know, absolutely fascinating that scientists are actually talking about this. I mean, because if you look into intelligent design, it is not creationism. If you think it's creationism, then you are dumb and you need to go and read something. Intelligent <laughs> design is basically a whole bunch of really smart people and all those science people that are basically saying the human body is entirely too complex for it just to have happened. Like it couldn't, it just, it doesn't make any sense scientifically. Like somebody made us. They don't talk about who made us. They just talk strictly about the science. And they're telling us that the science says some intelligence behind to how we were created. Uh, that's what Sir Francis yep. Crick yep. said. He, he used an analogy. If you pass a hurricane through a junkyard, you're more likely mathematically to assemble a jumbo jet than you are by random, you know, chance over a billion years time period to assemble the human DNA the way it was constructed. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a serious analogy. David Wilcox said that the, uh, the mathematical probability of human beings climbed out of the oceans, you know, millions and billions of years ago, and then one day uh, evolved into human beings. He said the madness that is required to even to begin to understand that is, and this is his analogy, you're in an airplane, you have a $1,100 bills, you cut them up all into small pieces, you throw them out of the plane. When they fall to the earth, they reassemble themselves in the exact uh, paper note that they were before you cut them up and threw them out of the plane in the first place. To the mathematical equation, it will be the same. Okay, I got got you now. It's just how infinitesimal... Uh, the the odds were that we just evolved by chance, as opposed and to. And you know what? When you say it like that, too, it makes it very interesting that that is our story. Like mainstream science wants us to believe that kind of insanity versus there was an intelligent race that was here and we were created. I don't. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why is that more easier, or is that like not easy to accept? But this random chance shit is. Everybody's like, yeah, 
not the that there might be a race that was smarter. They made us and then they left. I mean, and plus, like everybody, like most a lot of people believe in religion and God and all that sort of thing. So it almost it's like literally it's blowing my mind that that's what we believe, but not the other. Why? Yeah, it's, I, it's I, kind I of insulting, actually, to be honest. You know, I, Richard Dolan, I saw him speak at um, uh, Big Bear, the Alien Snowfest in February of this year. And he said something to the effect that, you know, there's all these critics uh, that criticize the government for lying about absolutely everything. But the one thing that most of these critics agree with the government about is that there are no UFOs or extraterrestrials. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's his whole argument. He's like, you think they lie about absolutely everything and the biggest lie they could possibly lie about. You believe they're telling the truth. He's like, just listen to yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it kind of blows my mind, too, especially when conspiracy theories that everybody thought weren't to are proven to like all the mind control experiments the CIA used to do. Like, OK, that was conspiracy theory. Now everybody's like, oh, yeah, they really did that. But you think that your government today is this benevolent thing that's going to take care of you? Really? You don't really? You think that was just the thing they did in the 50s and then they got over it? <laughs> like, that's I don't understand at all. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Now, here's a, a question I'm going to throw your way, uh, John, because, you know, you are a reverend and uh, for a long time the church believed uh, this to be a fact until somebody came along and said, no, 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 it's not, it's not true. Um, do you th- what are your, what are your thoughts on the the flat earth theory? <laughs> I think right. it's I think it's total garbage. Okay. Thank you. Thank I'm being you. I'm being nice. I just, <laughs> I, don't, I just I don't understand how you know I just don't get it. I'm just, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> See, it he's as about it as I am. Manuel, Manuel needs to talk to you. <laughs> I'm I'm still not 100% sold that it's pure garbage because of the, I've seen some videos, man, and they present a very intriguing argument. And uh, the church for not accurate. Well, yeah, but here's the thing: for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, that's what the church believed. Oh, well, yeah, the church didn't have telescopes. Yes, I understand that. But uh, looking up to the sky could be a hologram that you're looking at. It could be fake. It could be Oh, stop. Nonsense. I don't want to believe this. Well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It was not Thank proven goodness. by the by uh, Galileo. I mean, he, it's not like he had a rocket ship that could go far enough up into the sky and prove that the Earth was round. All right, so basically here's what we need to do. Everybody needs to make friends with Elon, okay, so we can all get up in the spaceship and see the round-ass Earth for ourselves. Because I understand that apparently we have actually never seen a non-Photoshop picture of the Earth. John, have you heard this? You know what? Let me just ask it this way. John, you know, you talk about how you've been getting – you call them downloads. You've talked to, I'm assuming, other beings, which we probably should talk about at some point too because that's really fascinating. Is the Earth round, bruh? Can you tell me, please? It, actually, the Earth is not round. Um, <laughs> well, here, here's why. If you take all the water out of the Pacific Ocean, and if you take all the water out of all of the oceans, the Earth is far from round. But yeah, when you more planet, when you fill the planet with water, it becomes round. Um, but if you look at all the celestial bodies out there, at least whether these photos are doctored or not, I can't prove or disprove it. Uh, but they're, for the most part, mostly round. Um, I believe that I don't I don't believe the earth is flat, um, but the Pacific, you know, at some points is like eight 
or 10 miles or even deeper than that. We, we don't even know how deep the, the oceans the ocean are. Is scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't even know how deep it is because we don't have vehicles that can travel that far. Now, ET has an anti-gravity envelope around their vehicle. And that's why it's, it makes perfect sense for them to have bases deep underneath the ocean floor. Uh, because we can't get down there and go and find them. Our submarines will implode, you know. Right. I 100% agree that. So with the uh, them living down underneath the ocean with their little bubble in their craft. And that's what Paula Harris was talking about during her mm-hmm. presentation. She was the last speaker to go on that particular Sunday. Magnificent speaker. She's from Italy, and she did a lot of her research on the boot out there in Italy, and um, if you're Italian and you lived there in the like the last 20, 30 years, you believe in the fact that ETs are coming and going right in and out of the Aegean Sea. And what she said, to quote her, is that uh, these space-time vehicles would, you know, go into the ocean, um, but actually traverse the spirit of the planet and go into another dimension. These are her words. And I found that concept to be incredibly interesting and, and easy for me to believe also. And it was also happening off the coast of Sicily as well, and she did a ton of research on all this. Now, here's my question uh, to that, John. When she says another dimension, are we talking about a higher dimension, like a fifth or sixth dimension, or another parallel Earth, or another parallel universe? Um, perhaps all of the above. I think that it's a, a probably at least fifth or greater density. Um Yes, I, I tend to think that, that she is right and that it, 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 it's at least fifth density, fifth dimension, okay. uh, that, you know, and this goes back to like, you know, digging a hole in the earth. And if you're just a scientist, you know, that's not opened spiritually right. to the possibility of being yeah. able to traverse your body, mind, spirit, you're just going to dig into a bunch of rocks. Same thing with the ocean is that if you can traverse your body, mind, spirit and the body, mind, spirit, of your space-time vehicle, um, that these things are all possible. Mm-hmm. Well, there could very well possibly be, as like you said, uh, not just a base, but a, a colony of them living there for for oh, hundreds yeah. of thousands of years. And you know, these things. Uh, who's to say that they're they down there? They have a whole mining process in the bottom of the ocean where they're able to mine mine for uranium and stuff like that, the plutonium or whatever to build these craft. Uh, to be able to to fly them the way they do, I um, use this high power radiation, which has been a bit been a big uh, you know common thing amongst mm-hmm. UFO crafts. So yep. uh, that would make a lot of sense for being them being eight to ten miles down in the ocean. Uh, they could be doing all kinds of things because you got to dig for that stuff to 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 to, to get it. So well, I would think they would be flying out of the. Uh the Pacific Ocean by now with all the Fukushima radiation leak. Yeah, yeah. So either that or it gave them a real big uh, power boost. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they can use it. Yeah, maybe well, they're feeding off of that. Yeah. There's also <laughs> geothermal energy that comes from fissures. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Which, yes, which, absolutely. So I have a – I have a. this possibly is a random question, but Jacko, you brought up the flat earth. So this is your fault. You said that Earth is <laughs> that it's not round. It's only round when you fill it with water. So then, my question is, and this is this is possibly an ignorant question, but then my question is: Is water required for a planet to be round shaped? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, if if you look at so some it's of just the, ours. Uh, you know that 
I think that there's many, many Earths, um, and many of these Earths are habitable, largely because they do have water. I believe that every celestial body, for the most part out there, including many moons, are inhabited, but the surface temperatures, uh, they vary too much. For example, on the surface of Mars, it can actually get up to 70 degrees, but in the same day, in the same spot, can go to minus 200 degrees. Yep. Oh, we're Jesus. Cl- we're clearly yeah. you know, not capable of surviving in conditions like that unless we're in some kind of controlled biodome. Yeah. But I believe that most of these planets, um, these exoplanets, these uh, uh, moons, etc., that the life has gone inside of the planet. Oh, I've seen enough evidence to believe uh, that there's life within Mars uh, from the glass tunnels that NASA's found on, yes. on their uh, missions. Uh, I mean, there's all kinds of evidence out there. There's greenery, which look like trees they found on, on parts of the surface. Uh, they've already said that there is water you know, within the surface of Mars. Uh, so I have no doubts whatsoever that we're eventually going to find out that there's not only habitable life on the planet within the planet of Mars living there, but might be even intelligent life. Hey, it might even be the greys or some form of the greys that are living on Mars. I, I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw uh, Jason Martell at the uh-huh. uh, Alien Snowfest at Big Bear in um, oh, cool. uh, February February this year. And uh, he during his presentation, he was showing pictures of lakes and rivers on Mars. That I had I've seen I, photos I, of I trees never, as well, too. I've never seen that footage before, so it was it piqued my interest, that's for sure. And, um, you know, uh, opened up a whole new gamut of questions. Mm-hmm. The glass tunnels really did it for me, though, John, to be honest with you. When I saw those photos of the, the what looked like glass tunnels, tubes, uh, it could be uh, some kind of a highway system uh, going within the, the planet. That's what did it for me. At that, that point, I was like, I was sold that there's uh, habitable life out there. Yeah, I mean, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki colonized um, Mars before they colonized Earth. Hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. You know, I've always had a theory, uh, or I've had a theory before, that uh, life on Earth was seeded here by life on Mars. That Mars at one point was a lot like Earth, had, you know, rivers, oceans, mm-hmm. a lot like Earth. The temperatures were a lot closer to Earth. Uh, that some kind of a nuclear disaster happened there, maybe a nuclear war took place or something, and the beings that were there left the planet. Some went within the planet and inhabited the, the planet, uh, whatever they, uh, you know, however many could. But uh, that a lot of them went to Earth as the next planet over and seeded life here, and that could have been remnants of the Anunnaki that, that were around. Um, because remember the, the the whole thing with uh, with planet x or nibiru is that it comes around every 3600 years that's a that's a long time for it to you know come around and around so they have to be somewhere for that 3600 you know 3600 years or 36,000 years whatever it is uh they have to be hiding somewhere in that time period if they're going to be around here seeding the planet so why not mars stick around close to to the earth but yet far enough away that they're not as visible and we can't catch them easily yeah, I agree, but here's something else to think about is that um the the physical location of wherever Nibiru might be, supposedly it's going to come back around in the year 2900. Mm. So, we got about 900 years. Um uh but that being said, that they have always been here and they have never left. Right. Um uh, and that That's also also when they travel here from Nibiru, 
they have space-time vehicles, so distance doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I figure if you can make us, you probably can get here pretty yeah, easy. Yeah, but the planet itself is still on its rotation, whatever it is. In fact, and, and here's the kicker. I don't. Well, think, we're off our rotation now, aren't we? Well, kind of. Uh, I guess. Uh, well, the thing with uh, Nibiru, I don't think that we're going to find that it's just a planet. I think Nibiru is part of a, uh, a second star system. And I think that NASA's kind of leaning towards this direction where uh, it's part of a yellow, uh, a red sun. And that is the the planet of the crossing, right? It looks like a cross. That's what they, you know, the biblical uh, term for it is, planet of the crossing. Um, I think it's actually partly a planet with, you know, that's circling a uh, a dwarf red sun. And I and I I'm very very strong. I'm very strong on this belief uh, that that's what we're going to discover, and that's what's actually heading every 3,600 years towards us uh, a twin sun, because uh, we're finding more and more that star systems are binary star systems. And we haven't found ours yet because it's so far out there. But guess what? They did find a planet called Eris, uh, which uh, is in the same elliptical orbit as Nibiru. And uh, this looks like uh, a star system. It doesn't look exactly like a planet. It looks like a little miniature red sun with planetoids orbiting it, or little planets orbiting it. That is, I think, Nibiru. And uh, we had Jacob Israel on that long ago who uh, kind of like said the same, oh, echoed the same sentiment that, yeah, he thinks that's what that is. He thinks that's Nibiru. And that's, you know, what we're going to end up discovering and announcing eventually that planet Eris is Nibiru and that is a little dwarf sun. That's highly possible. I feel yeah. like our history is so important to know, especially if we were on Mars and Mars was like Earth, and then we're like, oops, we fucked this one up. Let's just go to the one down there. We'll call it Earth and we'll do it all over again. <laughs> like, these are important. Like, this this history is critical yeah. for us not to screw the – because where are we going to go after we screw up Earth? Where are we going? No, if right. you really want – exactly. yeah. Well, we're going exactly. to Mercury. We'll go to Mercury next. Get even hotter. Oh, that's where we're going? Yeah. Water Mercury? Okay. Yeah, why not? Here's, here's a kicker, and I don't know if you guys have heard of Commander X. Are you familiar with Commander X at all? No? Anybody? No. Uh, not today I am, yeah. Okay. Right well, there, if you uh, look him up on YouTube, Commander X, uh, put uh, the lectures of Commander X that came out a few years ago. And part of the lectures of Commander X was uh, talking about the history on the Earth and uh, the inhabitants that came to Earth and helped seed men and yada, yada, yada. The, kind of like the same story we're talking about here, right? The twist is that these inhabitants from another world might have been the, the Anunnaki, might have been from Planet X. Uh, these inhabitants were actually from Earth originally, millions of years ago. That they left when the big rock hit and killed the dinosaurs. And that these were advanced dinosaurs that were actually intelligent, and they left the planet. And then when they came back, and this is why they were reptilian looking, when they came back, they found, you know, a bunch of monkeys running around. And that's why they decided to stick around and genetically manipulate us, and that the Anunnaki actually, uh, actually are descendants of the dinosaurs that were here on the planet. John, what do you think about that? That's a, a crazy theory, but that's actually a theory that is uh, proposed. What do you think of that, John? The Anunnaki are descendants of dinosaurs? I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not feeling that one. Uh, <laughs> well, like a descendant. I don't know, I get it, like a land of the lost type of creatures, you know? Chaka is not happy like, right now. No, that's, that's John's cutoff point, y'all, that's it. Chaka <laughs> is not happy, Chaka is not happy. I'm going to pass by a vowel on this one, I'm just, uh, <laughs> 
I, I, I'm just speechless. I like the land of a lost scenario. Oh my goodness! You know? All right, so John, I have to ask you because we've really run the you know the gamut tonight. You, you know, you call yourself a reverend, and then you know we're talking about how Yahweh is an alien. How did you even get into this? What 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 started this this research? Because you're very well versed. So how did it start very, for you? Yep. Um, my mom. Um, I was able to uh, grasp the concept of a multi-dimensional existence in extraterrestrials when I was like five years old, uh, all, all from my mom. So I credit mom. And uh, I really didn't know anything about ancient aliens until the show came out in March of 2009. And I probably watched that show for probably four, four years before I started to believe it because I grew up in church. I grew up in damn you, Sukalus. Well, just like just like most of us, you know, not everybody, but most of us, you know, we went to church and part of that brainwashing and programming and, you know, conveniently omitting and ignoring the Old Testament of the Bible. um, I think it's really doing a disservice to Christianity, the fact that it's being ignored. Um, The number one thing in disclosure is for us to understand that the gods are extraterrestrials. And until we can wrap our minds around that, um, we're going to remain in the dark and far from enlightenment. It's so important. It's the most important. I don't understand thing. why it's so difficult. I mean, you'd rather believe this is this supernatural being than it's like this intelligent thing. I don't like what? <laughs> like when you, you know <laughs> people you know what it is people want to have hope that there's something for them after this existence that's what it is but you can follow that train of thought too there i mean you absolutely can because i mean it's it let me i'm gonna go woo woo let me not let me not john john you know there, there is a god the most important thing in my life is god you know, believe it or not, but it's just, you know, God's not being portrayed in these religious texts. Extraterrestrials are. And that's the basic foundation of ancient alien astronaut theory. And it's it's not my concept, you know. Um, it goes back to Eric Von Daniken, Chariots of the Gods in 1968, and Zechariah Sitchin, the, the 12th planet, in uh, 1976, you know. And actually, it goes way back before them. Um, now, here's something to think about. So... You know, it's it's debatable how many people are on this planet, but supposedly around six and a half, seven billion people. There's close to two billion or more people on this planet that believe uh, that their gods were, in fact, extraterrestrials. Let's start off with the country of India. They got one point three billion people there. Right around a billion people practice Hinduism and they clearly understand that Shiva, Rama, Brahma, Krishna, Vishnu, that they were extraterrestrials that came from the stars. I mean, they completely and totally know and understand that. Uh, most Indian tribes, American Indian tribes, more specifically in the desert southwest, they still worship to this day in their rituals the star people. Um, Boyami is the extraterrestrial god for the aborigines in Australia. There's different cultures all around the world that do believe in ancient alien astronaut theory. They just don't call it that. They just know that their gods came from the stars. Have you ever heard of Michael Heiser? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he did a pretty convincing job of debunking Sitchin uh, in a lot of uh, his work. 
in kind of proving where he misled people in certain translations, uh, especially dealing with the Hebrew language. Uh, and one thing that I always had an issue with, with Sitchin was that uh, he wasn't a uh, critically acclaimed scholar of language. He didn't have a diploma in language. He just kind of said, okay, this is what this means because I said so. Uh, that was an issue with that I've always had with Sitchin. And Michael Heiser really did a good point in kind of pointing out some of the fallacies in Sitchin's work. Not to say that I don't believe that the, there there were aliens that came uh, you know, to this planet millions of years ago or thousands of years ago or whatever. I do believe that. I do believe there is an ancient astronaut tie-in to mankind. Uh, but a lot of what Sitchin wrote I have an issue with because of the fact that he did mistranslate things to kind of fit his own narrative on the Anunnaki and Planet X and, and things like that. Um, what are your thoughts on Michael Heiser, per se? Um, you know what? It, it was easy to rip apart his uh, his research from like a scientific method kind of standpoint. Um, sloppy research, sloppy translations, but but some very key and core elements of his theory go back to what we've been talking about uh, on your show tonight, is that the Anunnaki mixed their genetics with the indigenous primitive hominid species on this planet and fashioned a worker being, which we now call Homo sapiens. So, I mean, that part was definitely true. Right. Some of, some of his other translations were easy to pick apart, and I, I have to agree with you. But if you go basically to the core of what he was talking about, I, I just mentioned it, that the Anunnaki came from Nibiru. It's debatable what Nibiru is, but whatever. It's Nibiru. And uh, they, they manipulated our genetics to create what we are today, this new human model that we are today. I have a question. If God is an extraterrestrial, why do we need to worship it? Because Whoa. the aliens want us to worship them. Because Why? I, Good question. I talked about this in the last show I did with you is because they receive our prayer energy. There's so much power in prayer energy. And then also when we pass away, they actually acquire a part of our soul before it actually goes to the universal God light. And there's so much power in this. So, so let's say now that Enlil is not just doing this human creation experiment on our planet. Let's say he's doing it on perhaps 50 to 100 planets uh, across the omniverse, since there is more than one universe. How much prayer energy and how many souls can you absorb, and how much does that increase your supernatural power within the cosmos? Can yeah, you get you, overstuffed? Can yeah, but you, you, have... you, yeah, but hold on, but you figure that uh, an alien race this advanced... Uh, would come up with a little bit better way to harness power or energy than prayer. What do you mean better? Better, Jackal? It's brilliant. Think. What are you talking about? This is this this is like it is like the biggest scam of the century. If he's correct, just think about how many people pray to a to a to a deity. Think about all that energy they're already getting. Why use something else? You you literally you convince the monkeys to pray to you, and now the monkeys are praying to you, and you're getting. Yeah, I don't think, I don't, Why I don't, do I don't else? I don't understand how much energy you can get from the monkeys praying compared to like a sun. Well, we're not monkeys anymore. You know, well, I mean, some of us are, though, uh, John. Some of us. Are. Well, men, men are shaved apes. So let's yes. just go in the first place. 
Not literal monkeys. I don't mean monkeys in the literal sense. Like we're the monkey. We've already. I don't believe that we came from monkeys. I do believe. Hey, that we hey, we're the monkeys. Yeah, I mean, but I. I, knew I don't that know was if I don't down. know if yes, you can you know that we are advanced enough to quantify and be able to measure it. But there's a lot of power in belief, and there absolutely is a lot of power in that. So, uh, although I mean, it makes me absolutely not want to do it. Not that I do. I don't. I don't worship any deity. I recognize. I mean, my spirituality is. I recognize that there is. There's a source. That's what I call it. But I don't worship it. I don't give my power away to anything. Uh, we're, don't, we're we're almost out of time here, uh, sadly enough, because we could go on forever with you, John. This is uh, fascinating. Uh, but I will I will say this this uh, one thing uh, just to uh, kind of end my uh, rant on God. Uh, my theory of what God is the the eternal God, not the God of you know Yahweh or the Anunnaki, but the the God that created the heavens, the earth, the universe, everything, that eternal being. I think that was a uh, conscious energy source or force that uh, existed uh, maybe trillions and trillions of uh, Earth years ago uh, in the middle of the void of space where there was nothing. It was just empty void. And it got very bored after a long period of time of just being there by itself. And it said, you know what? I'm bored. I'm going to create everything <laughs> because this is boring just being here by myself. And it exploded into what we call the Big Bang. And then everything just happened as as we conceive it to be and uh that's why i believe that god is everywhere and at the same time he's nowhere like yoda would say he's within the rocks within you me you know your your spirituality whatever you want to call it god is a part of everything Deep. that yeah everything that we are uh it, you know we have god within us uh but it's not because you know he was an extraterrestrial but because literally we all are part of this god this universal consciousness that once existed a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's my belief of what God was. And it still is. And when we die and we transcend to the next uh, life, whatever that is, I do think that uh, we go to that eternal source. That was very woo-woo, Jackal. I'm very proud of you right now. Huh? You like that? That was. That was very woo-woo. That was. Very, very well thought. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw in the force there a couple times. I'm a Star Wars nerd. Uh, John, any final thoughts here on what I just said? Because I, I love compliments. Um, I would have I would have to concur with your philosophy. That uh, that's basically my philosophy. That God is everything. God is all. All is God. Um, outside of what we read in the Bible, um, and that uh, it's the one common thread that links us all together. There is monotheism. There is one God, and I like to call uh, this source, like Crystal called, or uh, I'm an international metaphysical minister, and the mm. basic construct of that whole discipline is the universal God consciousness. So... Mm -hmm. We're all part of the universal go, God consciousness. Too. So no matter what color we are, what race, religion, whatever, religion divides us. The, yeah, universe, uh, the universal God consciousness. That so concept, is politics. <coughs> Sorry. Religion is all politics. You're absolutely right there, Crystal. Uh, John, <laughs> you're, you've been awesome to talk to you, man. We, you know, we had a, a blast meeting you in person and having you on video was just uh, awesome. Having you here on the show has been awesome. We have to have you back on because we could talk to you for about four hours. Sadly enough, we're, we're a two-hour show, so we have to uh, start wrapping up here. Uh, but I want to uh, I want to give you a chance to uh, kind of uh, give the audience the name of your book again, where they can get it. Uh, if there's a website that you have that you want to go ahead and uh, throw the name out there so people can follow your work, please go ahead and do so. 
okay, um, Yahweh, the biblical God, is an alien. And I have another book coming out. I told you about the blue beings at the UFO con- conference. Yes, this yes. Story, this story is starting to slowly become viral. And uh, I'm getting tons of airplay uh, where that's what that's all that the hosts want to talk about because there was over 20 witnesses at this UFO conference to these uh, blue-skinned shapeshifters. Uh, but all this can be found at johnpolkmedia.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Reverend Polk at Reverend Polk johnpolkmedia.com at Reverend Polk both my books will be able to be purchased uh, my next book should be coming out I'm thinking within the next couple weeks hopefully and uh, and if anybody wants to just straight up email me it's jpolk2 at cfl like central florida dot rr dot com that's jpolk2 at cfl dot rr dot com that was awesome john thank you so much for being here with us guys stick around we got dr j coming up next right here on psn radio next week we have another live show for you we're gonna have uh yes we're gonna be live yes indeed we're, we're gonna be, be live, live. we're gonna be live until it's like november first because oh, made events goodness. for them yeah i i made events and i booked a ton of people and uh, you know why because yes. i love you all and i love uh, being on here with you guys and i love uh, doing this, these shows and uh, next week we're gonna have another great episode so stick around for dr j and uh, come back next week till then please keep looking up to the skies and keep questioning authority <laughs> question them all all been lying to you from the beginning. Stop giving your power away. Yes, that's right. No more Hillary clones. <laughs> <laughs>